But if you're a man and you're secure in the sense that, listen, this is the capacity that I have. This is what I can do. And you as my woman, this is what I'm expecting from you and communicating that with her. I think you can go a very long way. You know, I have many friends who have had the principle of saying that life is about ups and downs. And if you are afraid about a woman in emancipation, you're going to get left behind. Mm. The thing that you got to do is accept that she can be emancipated to a place where she has either more than you. And I'm talking here in the context of a relationship, you and the woman, right? Yeah. She can have more than you. You can have more. But your principle as a man and your vision as a man of where you're going needs to be never shaking. But also understanding that being vulnerable as a leader and knowing your capacity and the limitations that you have is something that inspires others to follow. And it will inspire the woman that you are with to follow you, you know? I don't know how, how, how you take to it. Do you prefer being led as a woman or do you like leading? <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> That's a good question. Um, of course, I'm very independent, right? Because so. when I want something to be done, I don't like then depending on someone to do it for me. Let mm-hmm. me just do it. Because there's a particular way that I want it to be done or that kind of a thing. But if the leadership is is credible and it's trustworthy, so for example, like my father, then I'm definitely going to follow. I'm still learning to be completely submissive because I'm always, I'm, I'm a very curious person. So I can't just rest with this is yellow, this is black. I'm like, okay, if I can clearly see this is yellow, then okay, fine. But I must test all spirits. Like I must. So I don't mind being led mm-hmm. as long as I can trust that, okay, the leadership is, is definitely taking me somewhere. They have a vision and this is going to work. But if you're going to come mm-hmm. and you don't even know where you are going or who you are, then... Uh. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So I'm not... And what like, are you studying? I'm doing BA Law. Ooh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> Second nice. year. And what's the plan then? Okay, Second that's year. cool. Yeah. Because I want to do the BA nice. LLB combination. I'm finishing in three years. Mm-hmm. At this point, to be honest, I don't know what I'm going to fully venture into. I don't actually know because mm-hmm. I'm really open to take this podcast to the greatest heights just go around africa because i'm very like very passionate about africa like europe step aside america step aside like this is where this (laughs) is where the money's at so um yeah like i definitely want to be able to go to different african countries and you know and tell the authentic african story because we have so many visionaries we have so many intellectuals we have so many creatives and we don't need anything else like we literally just need our story to be told properly and correctly and for our own people to believe it and then that definitely and then law i really from a young age was very into advocating for people another reason why the podcast is here your voice deserves to be heard your opinion matters come on your point of view you know is valid whether someone disagrees with it or whatever but you you deserve that say you deserve that that Mm. that choice you know to say i'm going to be quiet or i'm going to say this and we'll just have to see at this point it's amazing what's your what's your ba major because you're doing a ba llb what's your ba major well i'm doing english and sociology oh nice yeah okay and your dad did a phd in what public health Ooh, 
That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Wow. So he's like a PhD doctor that can run hospitals and what? That kind of thing. And um, also like with a specialization in HIV and AIDS, we're talking counseling because he did study psychology first. Oh, counseling, wow. HIV testing, running workshops and that kind of a thing. So the whole teacher experience, basically. Wow. So what does independence in a man mean to you? Because I, I think you've almost almost answered the question by itself. Your perspective is independence in a man is my dad. So let me see what's this generation of men it is, right? The ability to make things happen. And for you to, I think for you to be able to make things happen, you also need to know yourself because you need to be focused for that to happen. You need to be rooted and grounded in your understanding of yourself and your driving force. So mm-hmm. I've seen like many a times red quotes and that kind of a thing where it's basically written that, yo, your woman is going to follow. She's going to submit if she can mm-hmm. see that you know where you're going, you know, if she can see that there's hope here, like legit, this is this is a leader. I'm, there's not going to be any questions asked. Mm-hmm. That's probably the dilemma that this generation is facing because you get a man that doesn't even know whether he wants you to be his girlfriend or to be his wife or whether he needs that right now in his, in his life or whether he's mm-hmm. just trying to fill, you know, your presence or whatever that you give. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like fill a void mm-hmm. with, with you. So he doesn't even know where he's, whether he's coming or he's going, but he wants mm-hmm. you to be, then be submitted to that chaos. And that's not what we were called to do. That's not what we were created to do. That's where the problem comes in. And that's where the conflict comes in with she's too independent. She's like the man, but you are not being a man, which is a very controversial statement in itself, because what does it even mean to be a man? Mm, I think I have a full definition of that. (laughs) There's a scripture that I always use to define and to remind myself of what is a virtuous man. So I'm I'm just going to read it quickly. Okay. It's it's another one of of my top tier scriptures. It is Job chapter 29, and I'm going to read it, verse 1 all the way to 31. Mm-hmm. Right? This is basically Job speaking about his final defense and his discourse and who he used to be. He's reminiscing of who he was before everything that he, because he was always, a, he was the, Job was defined as a righteous man in all of the earth, in the eyes of God, you mm-hmm. know? And um, here he's basically defining how righteous he was before losing everything but still he never lost himself he just lost all external possessions but his characteristics still remain and was still in him mm-hmm. and it, this is how it goes is like job continued his discourse how i long for the months gone by for the days when god watched over me so essentially god watched over me that means there's a hand of god over that man first yes when his lamp shone on my head by his lights i walked through the darkness that's a reference to Proverbs. I forgot the scripture, but it says the word of God is the lamp onto my feet. And the you light see? onto my path. Like yeah. Exactly. And so the hand of God is there and his word is also shining onto my life. So as that man, this is the type of man that you need to be. All for the days when I was in my prime, when God's intimate friendship blessed my house. So relationship with God blesses the house that you have. When you're with me and my children were around me, when my path was drenched with cream, and the rock poured out for me stream of olive oil. So fully resourceful. Mm-hmm. When I went to the gate of the city and took my seat in the public square. So an eternal influence. Young men saw me and stepped aside. So young men have a reverence for him. And the old men rose to their feet. So old men have a respect. Chief men refrained from speaking. That part was just powerful. Man. Mm-hmm. As they covered their mouth with their head. And the voices of the nobles were hushed. So even kings like knew that they had to keep quiet in his presence. Whoever heard me spoke, their tongue stuck to the roof of their mouth. Whoever heard me spoke well of me and Mm -hmm. who saw me commended me because I rescued the poor 
who cried for help. So a yeah. person that's always resourceful and helps out the others. And the fatherless who had none to assist them. So you're a father figure. The one who was dying blessed me. I made the widow's heart sing. Mm-hmm. That part also like resonates <laughs> with me all the time. I put on righteousness as my clothing. You know how they say to put on the robe of righteousness? Yes. The righteous robe that you will put on. It's almost a synonymous to how you put on Christ onto you because Christ is righteousness. Yeah. You know, that's what that man does. I was the eyes to the blind and the feet to the lame. How can we be the hands and feet of God, you know? Mm-hmm. Almost speaks to of a discipling lifestyle that you yeah. need to have. I was a father to the needy. I took up the case of the stranger, you know? So you need to show love even to people who you do not have a direct relationship with. Mm-hmm. I broke the fangs of the wicked. You stand, you speak against what's wrong. And I snatched the victims from their teeth, you know? And defended those that cannot be defended. I thought... I will die in my own house. My days are numerous as the grains of the sand. My roots will reach to the waters because what are the waters? The living waters of God. It's like what it says in Psalm, a tree that is nearby a stream Plenty, never goes yeah. weary. Mm-hmm. Exactly. My glory will not fade. The bow will be ever new in my hand. People listen to me expectantly, awaiting in silence for my counsel. After I had spoken, they spoke no more. My words fell gently onto their ears. They waited for me as for showers, so with massive expectation. Yeah. Drank in my words as a spring of rain. Oof, mm. so powerful. That's almost like synonymous to Isaiah, as I'm speaking to you. Mm-hmm. Isaiah 55, the word of God never returns void. Yeah. Just like the rain and the snow comes onto the wow. ground. Yeah. You know, wow. and I chose the way of them and sat as their chief. I dwelt as a king amongst his troops. I was like one who comforts the mourners. Like mm. that's <laughs> that is definitely that, man. You know what I'm saying? Like that's a go. That's my go-to scripture to like. Sometimes I feel like I don't feel like I'm man enough right now. Mm. Boom, Job 29. That is definitely a compass for men who don't have that kind of compass. For us, that's the Bible. Yeah, yeah. Because Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Yeah. That is the only way. I think you said something very interesting. When I asked you the question, is that an independent man? Does that look like your dad? And and then you answered, you said it's a man who has a vision, who knows exactly where he's going. And that directly made me think is that the only way a generation can be steadfast is if men have a vision that is never shaken. Exactly. And they stand by a truth because now that truth that you stand by is never shaken. Mm Mm-hmm. It remains and because you're focusing on that, therefore, you will always be all your actions and thoughts and deeds and everything that you do will be focused and fine tuned to achieving that. Exactly. And I think a lot of the time when we have a certain goal in our life, sometimes manly goals can fade can change Mm -hmm. but i think when we keep it focused on something that is never changing never ending everlasting Mm -hmm. and that thing that is never changing never ending everlasting has given us a blueprint of how to consistently strive for that goal i think it it aligns everything that will come within your life Mm -hmm. um and with us specifically it's god and his word and how it manifests into our lives Mm. you know and i think men need to have something that is never ending never changing always consistent that you focus on and you dedicate to achieving irrespective of what's going on around you that will make everybody around you be aligned or either be attracted to you you know absolutely and i think that's what an independent man looks like so independence now we know what the independent man looks like 
what the ideal man looks like. Mm-hmm. Basically, in your definition, what you've sort of also said is that independence and being a man cannot be separated. Oh, that's very powerful. That's a very powerful statement. And as you're saying, it's making me think. It reminds me of a thing that I read from from Miles Monroe. It's this great book. It's called Kingdom Principles. Mm-hmm. And he speaks about how when Adam was created, for instance, and that's that's where the beautiful part comes in. When Adam was created, God put him in the garden. He says, here's the earth, the fullness thereof. Subdue it and be master over it, right? Yeah. And become yourself. Mm. He literally tells Adam to become himself. So become himself in a way that once you have dominion and by having dominion and putting order within this place, therefore you will become the fullness that was intended onto you. Yeah. And you becoming yourself is almost like God is giving you the responsibility to become the best that you can be. Right. Yes. And the yes. best that he created you to be. And as soon as your creator is telling you, become yourself and I'm giving you that responsibility, that means everything that is around you, you need to govern it. So we were never created to be governed. We were created for ourselves to govern ourselves. Mm-hmm. So essentially what happens is we were created in a way that credo, make sure that you can be the best credo possible. And by being the best credo possible, you have an impact on everybody that's around you. Yeah. And once everybody that's around you sees cradle being the best cradle that's possible, and you, as you are leading, as you are being yourself mm-hmm. through leading yourself, you are impacting others to lead themselves through being themselves. Now, essentially, we no longer have a, an influence that is negative per se, because if you are not becoming the best cradle, you are either choosing a shortcut by either stealing or doing the wrong thing. Yeah. Therefore, you are influencing the wrong behavior that starts affecting not just your family, now start affecting your neighborhood and then eventually start affecting your your community, Mm -hmm. you see. So he went on and said something very powerful. He's like, we do not have world problems. We have individual problems Mm -hmm. that affect the community. Mm -hmm. And those individual problems are stemmed by people not taking responsibility for becoming themselves, Mm -hmm. their best selves, independent in themselves, therefore depending on others and affecting the community through that dependence. Mm. <laughs> Does that make sense? I hope I but wasn't it, too deep. It, it made sense. Like. I mean, for me, I'm hoping the listeners are still with you, but it, it totally made sense because oh. it just means that you're putting on an extra burden to someone else, which they shouldn't have exactly. had because you're not taking up that load and you're not taking up your cross basically and just and just running like, like Come walking on. apart. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> You know, I like that. So you, you're basically giving somebody an extra cross, which they're not supposed to carry, which they don't know how to carry because it was made for you. Come on. I love that. That is very revelational. We don't realize how interconnected, like how intertwined our individual Ooh. existences are in relation to one another. Mm. Because if, if we understood that, if Sakina doesn't feel like my pastor always says, there's someone waiting on the other side of your obedience. You Ooh, don't understand. Right? You, you don't understand that if I don't get this degree today, which is something that I've been thinking about, been thinking of saying um, on this podcast, which is that people think I'm just going to school for me, especially as a black child. Mm. You're not just going to school mm. for you. You're not just going to school for your family. You getting that degree gives someone else the opportunity. It's one plus chance that another black child can go to mm. school, that another underprivileged child of whatever the race may be can go to school, can have that mm. opportunity, can become that person. Um, that another girl can look up to you and say, Oh my goodness, there's another girl, you know, representation, that kind of a that. thing. So mm. us 
living in these silos like this is my world this is my family this is all that i impact this is all that i influence is really detrimental mm. to our society we need to understand our place and our position within the greater community and come on do do you then agree That's beautiful right <laughs> these are the things that go on in my head guys <laughs> <laughs> i can see Whew. no honestly Such a, I, i see it. so so when are you writing your book man so um, what had happened was (laughs) (laughs) you had already started writing also you have a memoir like Mm, you probably do how many pages you have you know what happened right i write poetry as well and so some of these some of these like very interesting very deep very like existential questions or whatever the case may be would manifest Mm. in poems and stuff but Mm. at at some point it took a very like melancholic life of its own and it was sort of mm-hmm. like dragging me so i had to like dispose of all of that poetry and sort of start afresh wow. so i think i had like about 50 plus poems that i had been writing since wow. like so i was just like you know what and, this is and you just all just threw all of them away so what happened was like i was i was just realizing that i would just be in this sort of cycle of sadness and mm-hmm. i just kept praying about it and then one time i was in church we, we were having sort of like a worship evening and the holy spirit just said to me like dispose of all of your poems wow. i literally started i think it was it was one of the like most painful experiences of my life because i think there were like literal pieces of me in each and every single poem mm. it was extremely painful i wouldn't wish it on anybody mm. how many poems you have now I think it's only a handful because I haven't really been writing. I've been more mm. on content for the podcast, like having these conversations in mm. my head more, yeah. So having these conversations in my head, having these conversations with people like yourself, with like family members and friends, like I'm just there's just these things going on in my head about but mm. why do we have world hunger if this is possible? Like why is this and you know that that whole mm. billionaires chat and how it's actually technically impossible, you know, physically impossible mm. for us to have billionaires because that would mean so so amounts of money multiplied by so so amounts of money and why you know what i mean so those kinds of questions and how to like close those gaps mm. and help people and feed people but what i realized or what god made me realize is you need to first be woke you need to have the knowledge you need to be awake to this you need to have the wisdom to this your mind needs to be fed in order for you Come to on. to understand how to then navigate through your life so that's why sakina speaks is here man speaking to the soul that's amazing that's a wow girl shout out keep it and, <laughs> and you, i've man. seen some of your posts also how you post and then you say a little poem mm. some of them i think that's beautiful I thank like you thank you so that's that's kind of how it just like you know slips through the cracks here and there obviously mm. hoping to do a lot more of that definitely hoping to to take shakespeare up on his challenge come on and- wow <laughs> No legit, eh? I remember I wrote I think it was 2 3 years ago I had this whole piece on sugar daddies because yeah. I, I i usually i know we're totally sidetracking off of this haven't had one but i'm always trying to sort of imagine what it would be like to be in situations or positions that i would not normally find myself in so there okay. was this really really cool poem i don't know maybe if i like search hard enough maybe i'll find like another like transcript that i wrote of it but it was called just another day so that was mm-hmm. about prostitution wow. it was after a, a friend of mine had sent me a poem that which was published in a newspaper about prostitution and then i just felt mm-hmm. like very inspired because like you know you watch movies you watch nigerian movies and you kind of get that sort of experience so that's the empathetic part of me just just coming through there mm-hmm. but yeah so it was called yeah just another day if i can remember just another day mm. another client another lay another opportunity to decay 
to lose a piece of yeah. myself or whatever that was left of it anyway. Yeah, that kind of stuff. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I'm, ju- I'm sort of explaining my existence here. Like, or like, you know, because <laughs> and, and, and I'm enjoying this because like it gives us quite an interesting perspective on how on how you think and how you draft mm-hmm. poems, and also how you said like for a long time when during the time when you wrote the when you wrote the first fifty poems, you were in a space where you were consistently feeling sad and stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then just like the first line of your of your poem, I was just like, yay! Mm. To to go through the process of putting those words together, and before putting those words, because you you said something also in the beginning is like. What is the intent of the words that you're going to use? And often when we either project uh, something that people will say onto us is because that's our worldview. Yes. So essentially you don't say things just to say things. You're, yes. There's an intent behind every word. And mm-hmm. before you even say the word, you think about what the implication the is going to be. And yes. Yeah. Yes. So yes. like you actually put your, your, your state of mind through that emotion exactly like through that space it's like oh that's the word that expresses that i'm just like and as you're speaking right now i'm just like whoa <laughs> man yeah that's a lot man shout out to thank you man, you, man. thank you <laughs> yeah my basic ethos for the poetry that i write mm-hmm. to like whatever creative pieces if if i fail to convey the exact emotion that mm-hmm. i had at the time of writing mm-hmm. this poem if you don't feel mm-hmm. the exact same way then i've failed and that poem should be discarded. Like, there's no point. It's So by the time you finish reading Just Another Day, you should either mm. have that same clear, vivid picture that I had of that particular prostitute in that case, or what mm. I was feeling when I was writing that. So whatever my feelings were towards that person. And then, of course, you're going to learn what the greater story or whatever the greater moral is. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Wow. That speaks. Come on, somebody. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> trying to speak my truth, man. Let's yeah. talk about... The strangeness, right, of the phrase, Mm. the independent man. Even when you look at a man which, like, society will think is emasculated or effeminate, he still sort of has a greater social status Mm. than most women. Mm -hmm. So that's why my major thing is, do you think then independence is also conferred to men? Like, that's why I can almost count, if even, count the number of times that I've, I've heard the phrase independent man because what is that a man is just hello like do you think independence is conferred to men whether you display the traits of an independent man or not Mm -hmm. you are automatically assumed to be independent like it's not even a question because Mm -hmm. with with like the independent woman there's so much controversy surrounding that phrase surrounding that character in society Mm -hmm. but like if i was to say the independent man number one it's something that many of us don't even say because i mean what would be the need to say it Mm -hmm. so do you think that 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 is true and and why why is true that we should just expect it for men to be independent that's a very that's a hard i wouldn't even say it's a hard question okay i'll speak for me for instance right because you obviously can't speak for all men i think it depends on your upbringing right in certain upbringing where you were raised, your independence is uh, defined by how you can be self-sufficient. Yes. How you can sufficiently take care of yourself without people being there either to baby you and X, Y, and Z, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. In other parts of society, the mere fact that you're a man now or you've reached a certain age 
they do not look at if you are self-sufficient. They look at you, for instance, to say, now that you've reached a certain age, it's time for you to find someone who's a significant other that mm-hmm. can assist you in your journey in life. Based on your respective upbringing and where you come from, your independence is defined by that, right? And yes, yes. No, that, that definitely answers that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it almost says that if you are self-sufficient, therefore you are independent. But if you are a man and you've reached X amount of age, therefore you need, whether you are self-sufficient or not, right? Mm-hmm. Therefore you need a significant other to fully define yourself. But to answer it, yes. independence in itself, independence is someone that is not dependent on anybody. And I think as grown adults and as you reach a certain age, once you leave your parents' house, I think everybody is responsible for being self-sufficient, for being able to yes. take care of themselves. You know what I'm saying? Which is important for the society. It's important for the development of communities. It's important for cities to, to be developed and for countries to be developed, for people to be more and more independent and less reliant on either government or other mm-hmm. individuals. Mm-hmm. I totally agree with that. And then obviously, then we, we come to the question, then why is a woman's independence so contested? If that's the case, if we definitely should, I mean, obviously this is in your opinion because we, we're not speaking for ignorant men. We're not speaking for the ignorant mm. parts of society as a whole. Mm. But then what would the conflict be with independent women? Because if women are, for example, you know, there's always the argument, your women are problematic, choose your problem and stick with mm. it because they're all problems. Then if this problem, so to speak, is, relieving you of the burden right by Mm. choosing to be self-sufficient choosing to run their own show and be fully responsible and accountable for that then what is the major issue i would say a lot of stuff for example from our cultures you know it was always to be or be cautious of women who are self-sufficient it's because for many years right marriage was done for for financial purposes because you know yes in society, the man will be the one who gets the job. The man will be the one who gets the highest paying job and all of that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Manhood was strongly defined, not so much by character, but more by financial provision. Full yes. stop. You could be a jerk, but as long as you can provide financially, mm-hmm. therefore you should marry this person. And as an individual, you could be a trash human being. But right now, because times are changing with equal pay and all those things that are coming in to play and women being becoming emancipated a lot of men have realized that it's not so much what i can financially bring it's also the characteristics that i have and because often we were indoctrinated as men to just be who you are is who you are you can never unlearn you can never humble yourself to a place where you can become better or humble yourself to submit yourself to your significant other they would just be like ah i'm the man i'm the one who decide and so on this is how we go Yes. And now what we're realizing now, it's causing a clash. It's causing a clash in the family. It's causing a clash in in relationships. So we we can no longer just have the same status quo mindset that we had initially. Mm -hmm. Now we almost have to understand that women also need to be emancipated because they are created equal. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. we are created. We all both should be submitting to Elohim himself. We, in the eyes of God, right now, these are just vessels that are either male or female, but our spirits are the same. Mm-hmm. you know so now how we view each other and how we interact with each other can no longer be how it was before it yes. has to change and it has to be a way where i see you as a human being and this is what you rightfully deserve you know absolutely and that it's like today in our hike recently a friend of mine was telling me about like how she's trying to move out the house and so on and so forth 
but it's a big fight mm. with a mom and dad. And the biggest reason that it's a fight between a mom and dad is because in our culture, a woman who gets her own place before she's married is seen as a loose woman. Mm-hmm. it's almost like contradicting the fact that you've raised this woman until she's the age that she is with a good characteristic for her to not be loose. Yes. But now you think because she's going to move out the house, she's going to be loose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I could be loose still being in your house, mommy, dad. Exactly. You know, so it's an unlearning that we have to do as a society. And we, we not so much need to be afraid of what our children do that is visible we have to be afraid of the characteristic that we put into them so that what is not visible is in line with what is visible so that the character is stronger than what we think it is you know what i'm saying yes and i think it's a a massive unlearning that we have to do is that the woman's independence shouldn't be seen as her trying to oppress you or suppress you Mm -hmm. but it should be seen as just her being tired of being dependent and while she's dependent on someone, that person who she's dependent on does not reciprocate either the love language or the dependence that she's looking for, you know, mm-hmm. uses her dependence on you as an oppression as like, no, because you depend on me this month, I'm not going to give you the money that we need for the food at home. You know, yeah. I'm going to tell you to do this. And if you don't, then you ain't getting, out. you know, like mm-hmm. things like that, where we've heard that in relationship, that's what happened. So after you've oppressed someone for long enough, now they they get the emancipation there will be a rebellious act because initially it was an oppressive process that happened yes. and i think it's because there's that fear you know the fear that when you were dependent on me i oppressed you so now a woman's emancipation oh, yeah. either making more than me mm-hmm. and so on like that will be reciprocal it will be more pain onto me but if you're a man who's like dog and you secure in the sense that listen this is the capacity that I have. This is what I can do. And you as my woman, this is what I'm expecting from you. And communicating that with her, I think you can go a very long way. You know, I have many friends who have had the principle of saying that life is about ups and downs. And if you are afraid about a woman in emancipation, you're going to get left behind. Mm. The thing that you got to do is accept that she can be emancipated to a place where she has either more than you and i'm talking here in the context of a relationship you and the woman right yeah she can have more than you you can have more but your principle as a man and your vision as a man where you're going needs to be never shaking but also understanding that being vulnerable as a leader and knowing your capacity and the limitations that you have is something that inspires others to follow and it will inspire the woman that you are with to follow you you know and i think those who are afraid act out in fear and don't act out in love mm-hmm. and as you know both you and i know perfect love casts out fear yep and when you don't act out in perfect love there's fear once there's fear there's conflict and mm-hmm. after this conflict there's division mm-hmm Absolutely. Oh, that was a mouthful. I spoke (laughs) a lot, man. Like I've said, I'm here for the mouthfuls. We don't don't get enough, you know, these days. We have a lot of bands. We have a lot of entertainment. We have a lot of laughs. I'm there for that. As long as we're getting the mouthfuls, as long as we're getting the handfuls, as the scripture says, we need to get serious because this it's, it's happening this is real and these are situations that we need to face and the difference should come in this is this is the time this is now like the time is now because mm-hmm. our generation the constant conflict that we had with our parent generation is that situations like this they would brush off they would continue with and they wouldn't say anything about it and we are not exactly blaming or blaming that was the way of the time but with us mm-hmm. it doesn't sit well with us 
And for it not to be rebellion, we need to address these things and we need to solve them. We need to sort them out. Yeah. Second last thing that I ask you, again, this yeah. is something that we see a lot in the different spheres of our of our lives, particularly in the financial sector, when we're looking at like careers, corporate, that kind of a thing. Do you think that in general, though, mm-hmm. do you think that women sort of have to do more than a man? Or why do you think it is that women have to do a lot more? They need to almost be exceptional in a field before they are recognized for something that a man can literally just walk into. Oof. I'm going to ask you the hard question. It's like, where are you basing that off of? <laughs> <laughs> um, look, we're looking at workplaces. I think the corporate world is the best place to see it. A lot of the times, I'm not saying that it's easy for a man to step into a particular position. Mm-hmm. Yes, of course, there's workplace politics everywhere. There's You need to qualify for this and that and that. But mm-hmm. for women, especially in sports, right? We're just looking at a simple example, which is sports coverage. We're looking at Banyana Banyana mm-hmm. for our South African context and Bafana mm-hmm. Bafana. Bafana Bafana games, of course, they're going to be covered. Is that even a question that we need to ask? If they're playing, we're going to see it. Everybody's going to know and they will be sponsored. If mm-hmm. it's the female, their, their female counterparts, which many a times you have seen almost display a higher level of skill mm-hmm. to an extent. You know, in certain cases, you can see that flip, this is, this is like exceptional but they don't get the same recognition and what who do you think is at fault there are we talking (laughs) the soccer organizations are we talking because i asked that question like in two folds because i like i love this topic i think do the question that we essentially have to ask is that are there equal opportunities can jobs that men apply for women can also apply for i haven't seen a spot where they said that's not the case Mm-hmm. But then now the question is, do we have equal outcomes? I would look at, for example, one of the countries that has the most equal opportunities and where they try fairness the most. It's two countries that did the study, Sweden, and you have to look that up, and the Netherlands, right? Yes, yes. They equated everything within their population, right? Women could apply for jobs as being mechanics and all of that stuff. And also the same with nursing, men could do the same. But the outcome it still went back to the basic where we still found more women wanting to be nurses. Yes. And more, <laughs> more men wanting to be mechanics and stuff. So mm-hmm. I think in our society currently, the most developed countries have equal opportunities. And, and I'll, in this case, I'll take South Africa as developed. Do we have equal outcomes? No, we don't. Because intrinsically, women are nurturers. And we've seen that. There's a study that shows that. And essentially, they will go more towards things that will require nurturing. You know, yes. in the long term, majority of women, you know, we're not talking about outliers. Yeah. Now, when we talk about the sports, right, like Banyan and Banyan versus Bafana Bafana with mm-hmm. the equal pay situation, the American women's team, the WNBA and the NBA, all of these com- conversations that has been happening, I will stick to essentially how men are paid and every, all of these in men's sports, how they pay is essentially the demand, right? Yes. If there's a bigger demand for men for men's sports, those men will get paid more. Okay. And it's like women tennis players, women tennis players make a lot of money. I mm-hmm. think even more than men. Yeah. Because women tennis is more in demand than men. People watch that more. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's it's just a demand thing. And I think when we try to politicize something like women's football and so on and so forth, or yeah. women's tennis and stuff, I, I don't know if it's really our problem. It's you will have to go scream to the world and say, women, why aren't you guys watching Banyana Banyana? At the same time, women, why aren't you guys watching WNBA? Because mm. even the people watching WNBA, it's mostly men. Yep. <laughs> the, 
So yeah. It's a, yeah, man. So it's a tricky one. That's that's actually a really cool answer. Definitely food for thought. That's that's a it's a fresh angle. It's a very fresh angle. That's why I'm ever so grateful for inviting you onto this episode because that's the kind of things that we need to to be thinking about now, to be talking about. It takes the whole gender thing out of it. It it really does. Yeah, yeah I think with sometimes when we're trying to bring this gender, the gender situation and the gender pay gap, which I'm not removing it and saying, nah, there's no such thing. Mm-hmm. I'm saying there's a great professor that I thoroughly admire, Jordan B. Peterson. I don't know if you know him. And he, he speaks extensively about this, you know? Yeah. Um, equality, gender equality, equal opportunity, but not equal outcome. Mm-hmm. And how often based on our demeanor and characteristics as either men or women, men will get the higher pay because they are not afraid to go and ask. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to raise mm-hmm. what I want, you know? Okay. Now, the essential is, is to ask the question, is that, is that happening in women and what is the percentage of women doing that and so on and so forth? And this equality concept, is, has it been fully beneficial? Are we seeing the truth? Is the data backing up what we are saying? You know, because mm. often it's just, we're just speaking based on an emotion and yeah. the data is contradicting our perception. Mm-hmm. And as the great um, Ben Shapiro always says, is that facts don't care about your feelings. You know, yep. if the facts are contradicting how you feel, <laughs> mm-hmm. well, it is you got to swallow is. it up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, this episode has been extremely educational, informative, even to myself, more especially to myself, because as much as, yes, I'm helping to facilitate this conversation, I'm also learning from this conversation. I'm learning from you and the many other amazing people that I do have on the podcast. Please then Thank you. share with us your your personal independent story. You don't have to go too deep or anything like that, but I think you have mm-hmm. quite a beautiful independent story because uh, your father passed on quite early on in your life. May he still rest in peace. Yeah. And it's also an, an interesting dynamic because you're going to try and see how like we can separate the gender from this, but you are the firstborn son, right? Yeah. So yeah. Um, how, <laughs> how then the, did your journey sort of play out based on, first of all, your character, you definitely come across somebody that does take the lead, not only in their own life, but in your family situation, especially because you cherish that so much. So I take it even at that tender age, you were like, you know what, I'm going to step up regardless of, of what the circumstances are, regardless of how old or how young I am. I definitely, dynamics have changed and I definitely have to to acclimatize to this. So how did that play out? No, I, I'm going to tell you the truth. No, it was never like that. Really? <laughs> it was never like that. I had, to, I came, there was an age I had to make the decision that, yo, listen, you gotta. And it wasn't even that early on. I was just living life. Actually. Yeah. So I was just like, cool, I'm 10. Okay, cool. I'm just doing what I have to do. Mm-hmm. Passing school. Um, then went to high school. Went to King Edwards. Um, my mom just passed. I don't know, man. It was literally God's grace that I mm-hmm. got into there. And while being at CARES, I went to school. I, I, I did. I repeated my grade 11 because it was shocking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was so bad. I was just like, okay, cool. My mom told me, it's like, with these, you will never go to varsity and you will never, this is very bad. And I was just like, you know what, whatever. Mm-hmm. Let me just do it so that I can put you at ease. And it was hard for my mom. She was a single mother. How are you repeating? You're supposed to be focused. And yeah. I wasn't. Mm. I literally wasn't. Just trying to find myself into this world. But anyway, so I repeated. And by God's grace, everything goes well. Matric starts and 
I become a prefect and so on. And, and then I get into varsity and I go through varsity. And then what happened was while I was going through varsity, I was first at VIT, two years at VIT, first year, second year. Second year was so lit bro, yeah. <laughs> that I repeated second year. Wow. And then I had a problem. Yeah, it was, it was very bad. I was doing geology. And I repeated second year. And when I did second year again, I had a big problem with my head of school. Like him and I never got along. Like mm-hmm. it was just, just trying to, I won't even say kill my life, but I was like, a lot of the times I thought that I deserved things, but I wasn't getting it. And every time I'd go speak to him, I was like, I feel like I'm underscored for this. I'm underscored for this. I was like, well, maybe I think you're not meant for this. You're not meant for this. Anyway, wow. so I, I felt like in year again, I was like, okay, cool. This is not going to work out. It's time to, we can't spend my mom's money in this way. So anyway, I go back at home the first two months, right? Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, how old am I at this age? I'm 22 years old. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Credo, you can't live your life just living. And forgive me for my profanity, I was that nigga in the house. Like mm. you were like 22 years old, like your sister's at varsity, and you're like that nigga in the house. Because mm-hmm. at 22, you're supposed to be graduated, finished, doing your honors, and getting ready. You know, like life looks like it's, by the time you're 24, things are supposed to happen. Yeah. Right? And I woke up that day. I was like, this has to stop. My life is not just about me. Like you said in the beginning, it mm. isn't. And if I carry on like this, I'm going to end up on a path of just full destruction. And mm-hmm. 10 years from now, I'll just be ashamed of who I am. Yeah. That instant, I applied for a job at this company. They used to give me, like, I used to be a promoter while being in varsity. Mm-hmm. and what we did is once I applied for a job with them we got a contract with ASAB to take care of all the marketing of, of the alcohol within Northern Gauteng and I was managing all of that wow God's grace so I did that for about a year saved a bunch of money to go back to varsity so I was like oh, bruh, am I gonna go back to this I was like nah so let me go to tax this time around Mm-hmm. so I saved for my first year and a half for me to go back to tax and my mom helped me out so I, I was only left with a year and a half because I had finished second year mm-hmm. and I just needed third year and then do a postgrad so anyway I do that I save for a year and then after I finished my undergrad by God's grace I internship in the DRC to work there mm-hmm. as a graduate geologist so I worked there for a little while for almost six months and then gold prices come drop boom so the lost in first out because we're the last graduate we get sent back into the country so i'm here i'm thinking to myself i was like okay anyway i got my degree and in my head i was like all i need is my degree for me to make it into this life everything else doesn't matter as long as i have a degree i have the key to the door that's how i viewed it right Mm. and i think it's when i unlocked that that i started understanding my independence and my success is completely on my shoulders nobody's gonna come save me nobody's gonna come getting me out the ruts Every single day, it's just going to be me. Came back here. I get recruited by this French, headhunted by this French company that did drones. And they wanted to develop the South African wing. So mm. I was working in charge of the Francophone region and the South African the South African business development and so on. Mm-hmm. I worked there. And then um, I did a postgrad in project management. And then now I work in the space of mining. I'm also a data scientist. I have a business that does data science and eventually with time starting seeing opportunities in spaces and then pulling the trigger on that but I say this to tell you my journey of independence came when I was 22 years old I remember exactly it was January the 15th wow and I said to myself 
January the 15th, 22, I'm 33. It was how many? 11 years. 11 years ago. And I made that decision. I was like, I cannot be that nigga in the house. I gotta make things happen. <laughs> and um, yeah, and that's that's where I am right now. Like in French, they say, et voici mon parcours d'aujourd'hui. So mm-hmm. here is my journey. Wow. And that is still going and I'm still growing and I still have to become. There's still so many unlearning, relearning that I have to do. And yeah, man. In a nutshell, that is the journey of my independence. Wow. I mean, that's that's quite phenomenal. I'm actually glad that it was it was different to what I thought it was because it makes it all the more educational to people. It makes it all the more relatable to people because a lot of us are still still finding our feet, like men and women alike, still don't know what hey. independence looks like, still don't know Definitely. Yeah, what path to take. And I know that someone like that is listening to this podcast right now. So thank you so much for coming on, Credo. I mean, this has been a lot. Like, this has been so beautiful, honestly. Thank you. No, thank you so much for inviting me. And I think, actually, while you're speaking about being afraid, I think not knowing, I think people need to be unafraid and also need to stop. People should not calculate too much. Mm-hmm. You know, I think you should, when you do something, when you choose to do something, do it 150%. Mm-hmm. And when you sense that, okay, I give 150% onto this and now I want to do something else, do not be afraid to say I'm moving on and do not be afraid to let go because every season God has provided, he's the one who provides and he's the one who takes away. Yes. And sometimes we hold on to things when he's telling us, don't hold on to things, hold mm-hmm. on to me. Exactly. You know? And it's by holding on to him that you fully discover who you meant to be and who you are and who you have to be yes. in the season that you have been put into. Mm-hmm. And it's that simple. I, I think if hopefully if anybody listens to this and listens to my testimony and my, and my story and by God's grace, take anything away from it. I said, don't hold on to things. Don't hold on to friendship, holding on now. Always be open, always live in love, but mm-hmm. hold on to only one thing, the thing that's never changing, never faltering, always perfect, always abiding, and always faithful, and that's God. And truly hold on to him by growing near to him and discovering what he has in you, mm-hmm. and then um, allowing that to manifest into your life and practically putting the work, eh? <laughs> I know it's not easy. Oh, I know it can be At such all. a pain. Oh, At all. Such a pain. Mm. But the reward is so much sweeter. Mm-hmm. But yeah. And that is how you do yeah, it, ladies and so gents. It's It's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. This was amazing. Thank you. Bless your heart, man. Thank Keep you. doing the Lord's work. Man. May you oh, may you prosper abundantly. Amen. You know, amen you, and amen. Yeah, Definitely, man. May your man. degree just goes well. May you mm-hmm. become a world-renowned lawyer, a world-renowned amen. individual, irrespective amen. of your part. Amen. I just send blessings upon you. You're a great person. Thank you, Credo. You are too. Like I've said it before, I'll say it again. The people that I, I have on this podcast, I believe, is godly connections. It's people that God said, okay, for this topic, this is who you're going to speak to. And that's how it happens. Many a times, very last minute, yeah. or it just clicks. It's just the perfect match. And and this was yet another one of those times. So Thank you so much. I love it. Thank you so much to each and every single person that has been listening to this podcast and that definitely enjoyed this one, that took something away from this, that is going to learn from this and really just going to run with what Credo has said, with what we've discussed today and with what an independent man is. I know many of you were very like, what are we going to be talking about today? Because the independent man is is still a mystery. But I think um, the moral of the story is discover that man within yourself, whether you're a man or a woman or 
you know, just trying to understand who you are and, and where you're going and what you're meant to be. Hold on to what is sure, what is unchanging, what is perfect. And for us, that is God. Ultimately, for all of us, that is God. If you want to understand how something works, you have to go back to the manual you have to go back to the maker and for us that is the creator the lord and our lord and savior jesus christ once again thank you so much for supporting the podcast for listening it's really been a lot of grace (laughs) and i'm I'm super super grateful for this it's always such a beautiful thing to see and to witness like all the love all the beautiful comments all the great people that i get to meet to have conversations with on podcasts i've never met Curter in my life but because of social media um because of god you know because there's so many other people that i could have met so many other people that i could have interacted with could have chosen for this podcast but he chose him to be here and that's why this beautiful conversation was born so um keep believing guys keep trying and never ever ever give up that's something that i definitely learned this week that god definitely taught me for once in my life i was like yeah no this actually works like when you don't give up (laughs) it really really does come through so um yeah yeah, keep hoping keep believing and, and keep believing in yourself as well you know the fact that you're here means that you were signed, sealed, and approved by the maker. So Ooh. yeah, you you definitely, definitely perfect in the way you are. You just need to become yourself, as the beautiful scripture says. That's all from me. Thank you once again, Credo. Mwah! Sakina has spoken. Mm-hmm.